That was terrific. Thank you, Mr. Nudie. Yeah, give him a hand. Isn't that great? Man. See what happens if you would have stuck with piano lessons? Man, I didn't. That's all right. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, if you would turn there in your Bibles with me today. Hebrews chapter 11. We are, I want to say finishing up our Love Ran Red series, but uh, next week we're going to get a, another glimpse of Love Ran Red uh, in, a, in a special way. We're going to be um, sharing about our missions week. Uh, we'll have folks that, that had stories to tell from all the experiences in Oakland or Reno or here, and uh, we're going to use that as just the last emphasis of laying down our lives and, uh, and how that looked in our communities and, and both, both here and in Reno and Oakland. So that'll be continued next week. Um, but we kind of conclude this week with, with really talking about that and setting the stage for uh, The Love Ran Red. I, I, I titled the sermon, The Witnesses, and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to say The Believers. But I felt as I read Scripture as in Hebrews 12, 1, we, we'll, we'll go there as well, uh, we'll see that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who, who lived by faith. And I think there are times in our life where as believers, we believe the gospel, we, we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're saved, but it's just it, it, that belief kind of stays there and maybe stagnates a little bit. And for you and I to, to really be believers, we have to live by faith every day. And as we live by faith every day, it overflows in, in our life and out of our life as witnesses of God's glory, that people would see the majesty of Christ because of our faith being lived out from what first started as a belief in our heart. So in this Love Ran Red series, just to catch us up, we started uh, by looking at Christ and, uh, and his suffering as he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. As he approached the garden, we saw Jesus uh, on his knees before the Father saying, God, is, is there any way that we can do something different here? I'm about to go to the cross. I know I'm about to be betrayed into the hands of sinful man, but I, I'm not sure I can handle this. And we saw that Jesus, his sweat was like drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, just, he wanted some followers, some friends to be there and say, just pray with me. Give, me. give me courage and strength and help me. And even his friends, his closest friends, were falling asleep. And Jesus was under this enormous, enormous pressure. But what we understood and learned that although Christ was under pressure, and although Christ was, was crushed on the cross, it was because God so loved the world in that way. That he gave us his one and only son. That if we would believe in him, we'd have eternal life. And, and that's, that's the, the most wonderful promise we can understand, that his love ran red, and that's what sent him to the cross, that we would be forgiven. And then we saw what was accomplished on the cross as well. We went to, and looked at the curtain or the veil that was in the temple, and, and that when Christ gave up his spirit, we saw that the, the veil in the, in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And we talked about the access that you and I now have to God in his presence, right? We can go talk to God on our behalf. We don't have to have someone else do it for us, that God is accessible to us. And, and what it showed us a picture of was this, that although they would go before Christ, before the veil was torn, they would go yearly on the Day of Atonement and let a, let a high priest, only a high priest, go into the most holy place or the holy of holies and atone for the people's sins. And they do it year after year because that would not forgive and wipe clean the people's sins. But then when we had Christ and he, when he died, he said, it's finished, it's done. I am the great high priest. I'm, I'm greater than any high priest you ever had. And, and the work that I've done is finished. And in fact, we saw the imagery, imagery there during that time where, where Christ sat down. He finished it and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because it was done. And, and you and I can go 
through that torn veil now into the most holy place with confidence because of God's mercy and grace. That you and I have access to God, not because of our own merit, but because of Christ's worth and what he did on the cross. That we have access to God and we can approach him with confidence and boldness and receive mercy in our time of need. That we, and I, I talked about during this, that was the week we talked about the sad puppy, right? We, aren't, we don't have to go before God as a sad puppy anymore. We can walk boldly into the presence of God because he bestows grace and mercy upon us and because he did it all for us. There's nothing left unfinished. Of course, on Good Friday, we talked about the cross, that, that the greatest expression of love, and it was hard to swallow, but the greatest expression of love was that God was pleased to crush his son for us. And then we, we were tempted, I said last week during Easter, our resurrection Sunday, we're tempted to leave Jesus in the grave. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Yay, he's my savior. But listen, we have a risen Savior that can be our Lord. It's not just Savior. He's our Savior and Lord. And we are to worship Him and celebrate Him week after week because He conquered the grave. And last week during uh, our Easter celebration, I, I said that it's unwise to be slow to believe. We saw that uh, as Christ talked to, the, to, to His two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He said, it's, it's how unwise you are and slow to believe you are. See, you and I should not be slow to believe. We have, we have to understand that Christ is who he said he was. We can test it against Scripture, and we must believe in the Messiah. There's nothing in you or nothing in me that can help us stand before God on Judgment Day. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we can stand victorious. So you and I should be quick to believe in the gospel. And then once we believe, there's this, this overwhelming joy in our heart now. Because we know exactly how deep our sin runs. We know exactly how far apart and separated from God we are because of our sin. But because of Christ, we can now draw near. And that helps us and lets us celebrate Christ. Because of the power, because of the power of the resurrection. Because he accomplished everything for us and it is finished. And for us, the worship and exaltation of Christ is an overflow from the hope inside of our hearts. So believing in Christ gives us hope that then pours out and overflows as lives lived by faith. So the overflow is actually our lives lived by faith. Amen? That we would be showing off Christ by having an attitude of faith. So today, we're going to look through Hebrews and look at how love will continue to run red. Christ has come, he has died, he has risen, and he has ascended to the Father. And now he has sent his Holy Spirit down so that his love can still run red through us. And the way it does is through the overflow of faith that we have to the world around us, all right? So we'll pray and we'll get started. Let's pray. Father, it is great to be here today. It is great to go to your word and, and to read and study scripture. We are so thankful for all that you've done for us. As we have celebrated this, this past month, uh, looking at the great love you've had for us, and as we, we led up into Passion Week, and God, we saw what happened on the cross, and God, we saw the victory you had over death as you rose from the grave. We are thankful. God, hope just, just wells up inside of us and we're, we're ready to worship you. We want our lives, the faith that we live, to be an outpouring so the world can see Jesus. God, as we look at the scriptures today, I, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to them, that you would challenge us and change us. You would convict us of sin and God, move us to a place of repentance and obedience, that we would look and be conformed more and more into the image and pattern of the Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray.
Amen. All right, so what does this overflowing faith look like? So if the world was looking at our lives, what would it look like? Well, first, number one is this. We have faith in times of provision. Now, I, I, want, us, I want us to think about this for a minute. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, we have faith in times of provision. Sometimes our, people can't even see our faith in times of provision. Sometimes we just think that good things should happen to us, so we just, oh, yeah, we just live that way. Yeah, good things happen to us. Instead of just all the while trusting God, pointing to God, God did that. God gave me the gift. God blessed me there. If we in our lives could point in faith to him as he provides, that's a life that's overflowing with faith. We shouldn't sit on the couch and just let blessings come and not say anything about it, not attribute it to anything, to something else. Oh, it's the full moon. Everything's just light. The stars are all lining up. That's not true for people of faith. For you and I, we know and trust that God provides for his people. And when he does, when he chooses to do that, you and I should say it. That was God. Look at my God. Look what he does in our lives. Let's look at the text, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 30 and we'll read through 35a. This, by the way, this is the hall of faith in chapter 11. They call it the hall of faith. It's the, it's the chapter that shows all of these saints, these people who just lived lives extraordinarily with a depth of conviction and faith and obedience to God. They were, what they weren't doing was checking off a list of how to obey. What they weren't doing was making sure they followed all of the rules. What they were doing is saying, God, my hope is in you for everything. And I'm going to live in a way that just says my faith is real. And, and, and it's amazing. You should read this on your own. You should study it and be encouraged by it. Uh, it it's awesome. But we're going to start in verse 30 and go through 35a right here first. It says this, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute received the spies in peace and, uh, and, didn't, and didn't perish with those who, uh, who disobeyed. Verse 32, What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith, now listen, that's, circle that in your Bible if you're prone to that, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight." 35a, women received their dead raised to life again. Amazing how God provides, right? God's provision is huge, and, and he provided by faith. And as he provided by faith, it was attributed to God and God's faithfulness. Our lives should be an overflow. Let's say God really does provide, and our faith is in him. Uh, this is a picture. I want us to understand it. Our faith is a picture or a snapshot. I talked about this is the, the sermon called The Witnesses. We are the witnesses. But really, our life, our faith is the witness. And each act of faith, each moment of faith, each attitude of faith can be a snapshot that shows the entire world, look how faithful my God is. Look how good my God is. Look at my God. And God does provide for his people and we see stories and we hear stories of people who had great faith and where God intervened right in some miraculous amazing unforeseen and maybe impossible scenario or outcome 
We've seen that, right? We maybe have seen that in your own life where it's like there's no other explanation except for God did a miracle here. There's nothing else we can attribute this to. God showed up and did a miracle. Uh, there are times where great, God does great and miraculous things, but there are also times when the invisible hand of God is seen working, right? And we don't necessarily see like that was a huge miracle. It's just the invisible hand of God working and controlling situations in less extraordinary ways for his glory and the forward progress of his story. So, so a miraculous thing, right? A, a child who should have died lived, and the doctors don't understand why. Well, I had one of those stories this week with, with a friend of mine from Montana, and she was sharing her story on Facebook, and, and their, their child had, had contracted some, some real bad stuff, some infections and, and uh, some, some stomach, uh, intestinal problems. And it was, it was amazing that this child survived. Uh, there was at one point, she said, this, oh, prayers, all we need is prayers right now. And then, and then the next, next post she said is, what we really need now is a miracle. The only thing we can, we can survive with is a miracle now at this point. All the doctors said that. And guess who showed up? God showed up. And there's nothing that can be attributed to anything else except God showed up. And for that family, in that faith, in that moment, God used the snapshot of their faith and his miracle for his glory. And God wants to continue to do that. I think for you and I, you know, some, and, and maybe for some of you, it's a huge miracle. The next story I'll share. And some of you, it's just one of those, maybe God knew what he was doing there, right? It's that time we, we were running late, right? Your, your spouse caused you to run late, right? You're like, oh, come on, let's go, right? Or come on, dear, let's go. Because, of course, the guy is the guy who runs late, too. But we run late, and we're frustrated, but we ran late, and, and we find out later that we missed an accident, right? Like, wow, maybe God, maybe God has something going on here. Right? Those, those are, for some of us, those are huge miracles. For some of us, it's like, well, that was, that was kind of cool. God worked out a situation or a scenario there. And there's lots of scenarios, lots of opportunities and times. Just, just, it just so happens, those moments that it just so happens, it's usually not just so happening, right? It's usually God orchestrating something. God connecting the dots and connecting people together for his glory. We can have faith in times where God provides our faith is in him. It's a snapshot. It's a witness to the world that he is God. But number two gets tricky because our faith continues to overflow in this way that we have faith in times of suffering. We have faith in times of suffering. We, we love the fact to be able to attribute to God a miraculous thing where a baby lived. But see, our faith in times of suffering and how we endure is also a snapshot of God's providence in our lives. Let's, let's carry on in our text. I, I told you to circle something in verse 33. It said, who by faith. Right, so who by faith, and then we're going back down to 35. B, it says, some men, so by faith, some men were tortured, not accepting a release, so they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and, scour and scourgings, uh, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. This, this is an amazing story. This is still the hall of faith. And for God's people, if, if God's love is going to continue to run red through us, his, his witnesses, the believers, the saints... It has to continue to run red in the middle of our suffering. 
that God will continue to provide the endurance we need to endure suffering and that you and I can have faith. It's an outpouring. It's an overflow of faith in times of suffering. And that overflow of faith in times of suffering is the snapshot to the world. Listen, there are times God provides escape and there are times God merely helps us endure. This is God's plan. God's world. It's his kingdom. And if enduring suffering causes God's glory and the forward progress of the gospel, then bring it on. Bring it on. And it's hard, it's hard to swallow that too, isn't it? You're sitting there thinking, Brandon, I'm not comfortable right now. I'm not really comforted comfort in this faith. Through faith, misery and suffering are endured. They're not necessarily dismissed or diminished. Having true faith does not guarantee comfort and security in life. Amen? We, we know that because we are living life. It, it, just like in God's providence, it's up to us, though, to point to God as faithful. See, we could endure God's providence and provision and his blessings and say, oh, yeah, it's, it's cool. Stars all lined up. Or we could endure suffering and suffering and misery and never point to Jesus as the one who gave us the strength to endure. And that's not living by faith. I want you to understand this. By faith, verse 33 says, by faith. It said, some, in verse 34, escaped the edge of the sword. And then in verse 37, it says, by faith, they died by the sword. By the same faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. And by the same faith, some died by the sword. And you and I have to, to reconcile that. You see, in view of the cross and the power of the resurrection, a call on us to come and die only magnifies and exalts Christ more. You see, faith-filled believers taking up their cross and following him will invite hardship, struggles, and persecution because it tells the story and gives a greater snapshot of who God is and how great he is. Our faith produces this picture, this picture of God's love to the world. And if in order to get that picture and to get it right, we have to suffer, then we do so for the glory of God. In misery and suffering, Christ came and died for us. And he offers that call to us and he asked us to come and die for him. Our lives are not our own. They were bought at a price. We are called to come and die, to crucify ourselves and rise to newness of life with Christ and identify with him. Now, now here's the kicker. We, in suffering or in provision, we rest in him. Our hope is in him. Whether living or dying, whether comfortable or miserable, our aim is to share our unshakable confidence that, that God, now listen, that God is better than what life can give us and that God is better than what death can take from us. Amen. The truth here in the scripture is that God is better than life itself. And it's only when we start to cling on to life and hold on to that fleeting life, we start to lose sight of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. I want you to 
to understand reality for a minute. We read through a list of faith, right? Faith heroes. People who, who conquered death. The woman in verse, is it verse 35? Women received their dead raised to life again. Right? I told you about the story of the baby that should be dead now, but it's not. Guess what? That, the women here who received their dead back to life again, guess what happened eventually? They died again. See, life happens. And, and all of these people who were saved from the edge of the sword or from, from the mouths of lions or from the, the fire and the furnace eventually died and suffered in a different way. And the hope that they cling on to, the hope they had during the providence of God is the same hope that you and I should have during the suffering for God. And that hope is that God is better than life itself. And that is where my faith rests and that my faith is an overflow and a snapshot of a glorious, exalted Christ. And I will let him do whatever he wants in and through my life. And that's when we become faith-filled witnesses. Number three is this. Faith-filled believers, and you may not get this, but faith-filled believers are a gift from God to the world. You know the old saying, right? Like someone thinks they're all that and their mom says, you must think you're God's gift to the world. Yep. <laughs> well, and it's, it is. It's a sarcastic thing with parents and kids, right? Or, or just coworkers even. But I want to li- listen, believer. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are a disciple and, disciple and follower of Christ, as a faith-filled believer, you are a gift from God to the world. That the snapshot of your faith in God is a gift that God will use to advance his kingdom in lives around us. That's why we're called to come and die and then lay down our lives. You know, during Mission Week, we had that t-shirt and, and had the hands and feet of Jesus on the back. It says, love does, right? And the verse that went along with that, John 15, 13, says, greater love has no one than this, than what? He lay down his life for his friends. It's a call to come and die, but it's a call that you and I would be a gift of love to the world. That they would see our faith and the snapshot of our faith and they would see Jesus in that faith. Let's look at the text. Uh, this is ver- We've read through a little bit of this, but 38 through 40. The world was not worthy of them. That's what a gift is, right? The world wasn't worthy of them. But God gave them these believers anyway, these faithful They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. All of these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised, add in, in this life. But the life they lived in Christ, the hope they had in Christ, is what mattered to them. Since God, it said, had provided something better for us, so they would not be made perfect without us. That there is a hope of, of a future resurrection that is far sweeter than a temporary mortal resurrection. Right? A, a child coming back to life is a joyous occasion. We, we celebrate that, but we know that life will ultimately end. The eternal, the soul inside of us is eternal, and because of that, we, we have to focus on the eternal. We have to focus on the hope we have in Christ and in, in eternity with him. We are a gift to the world, and I want you to, to think, of it, think of this. Your faith, as you're a faithful believer, is going to impact people around you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we shared, we had the gospel fluency uh, workshop during our Sunday school hour in here. And just talked about, it's no accident 
that you are where you are at, at the time you're at it, that God is working those things out all the time. And those, those, our faith in God's provision, that first point, could really be seen, and we have more and more faith every day if we just opened our eyes a little more. Because the reality is that God is placing people, time, places, and events in our lives, circumstances in our lives, for his glory all the time. There are divine appointments in our lives and around our lives all the time. And we think, well, maybe I'll get one next week. Well, maybe God will do something with me in a month. It's like, hey, as you leave today or as you, as you finish today, look around. <clears throat> it's not an accident you're sitting by the person you're sitting next to, even though you think you did it on purpose. It's not an accident that you, tomorrow when you go to work, you work next to the person you're working to, with. Or the certain client comes in and you interact with that client. It's not an accident. God is not about a God of accidents. He's a God of provision and providence, of sovereignty for his glory. And his, and his plan never stops, never ceases, never takes a break. God is continuing to push forward. So you and I must be faith-filled in the sense of let it, letting faith overflow that we would understand that we are a gift to the world around us and we ought to act as a gift. We ought to serve like we're a gift. We ought to love like we're a gift. We ought to speak up like it's a gift from God. Not in a prideful way, but in the most humble way that lays our self down, our pride down, and says God is worthy to be glorified. His kingdom is worthy to be advanced. Faith-filled believers are a gift from God to the world. Your life, your blessings, your sufferings are a testimony, a witness to God. Number four, our faith, our faith is rooted in the hope of Christ. Uh, let's go down to chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, now I've told you this before, right? When you see a therefore, you always ask the question, what is it therefore? Well, it's basically saying in view of chapter 11, therefore we can embrace this. So because we know we have these witnesses who God's love is running red through, and, and whether they're being provided for and escaping the sword, or whether they're being provided endurance to endure and die by the sword, God is being exalted. It says, therefore, that faith, since we have this large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, this is you and I, right? So, because these witnesses, really, they're Old Testament witnesses. They're, they're, they're the old school guys. They're, they're the guys before Jesus was around. So they're just kind of stories and legends. Mighty men, mighty women. It says, therefore, since we have this cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us, who's that talking about? That's me and you, right? That's you and I. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, right? The pride and the ego, the things that get in the way of us being effective and letting faith overflow in our lives, letting that snapshot be seen by all. And it says, and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that laid before him endured a cross and despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God's throne. This goes right back to Jesus, doesn't it? It goes right back to the cross. It goes back to what he endured and the joy that was set before him as his love poured out and ran red for us. What he enabled us to do is to look at him as an example, as a, as a place to, to gain faith, 
And that because we're surrounded by these witnesses and we're surrounded by what Jesus has done, you and I can run with endurance a life that overflows with faith. And, and our faith is rooted in the hope of Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered death. He didn't just die by the sword. He conquered death by rising from the grave. And our hope is not in our own ability. Our hope is not in the, the saints who came before us. Our hope is rooted in Jesus Christ. And because we have that hope, our faith can and should overflow. Finally, number five, faith enables us to boldly lay down our lives. Uh, turn over to Acts, Acts chapter four. So it's, it's towards the front of the Bible, a little more from here, a few books, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. So we're going to Acts chapter 4 and start in verse 23. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a, a background before we go into here. Uh, Peter and John had been arrested. They, they went in and they, they continued to preach in the name of Jesus and teach and heal in the name of Jesus. And they healed this guy out, uh, in the city. And, and a lot of people saw this. A lot of people saw it go down. And, and wow, this guy is definitely different than he was. He is healed. And they were arrested because they they're, they're stirring stuff up, right? Jesus... The, the high priest and the officials, you got to understand, they thought they killed this movement, right? They, they did kill this movement. Jesus, they killed him. Put him on the cross, put him in the grave. And they don't see him anymore. He's ascended to the Father. So they thought this was over. But now, now this, these people are still kind of holding on to this notion that their God's not dead, that there's power in the name of Jesus who they crucified. See, if I'm a high priest and if I'm an official, I put Jesus on the cross. I have the power. But if Jesus rose from the dead, I don't have power anymore. It's empty, and the power is truly in Jesus' name. And they don't want Jesus' name to be exalted. So they're preaching, they're teaching in Jesus' name, they're healing and teaching in Jesus' name, and they were arrested and said, you, you guys stop teaching in Jesus' name. They're really offended by Jesus' name. Stop saying Jesus. That's why it's so important for you and I, by the way, to keep saying Jesus. In our God language, in our God talk, we must say Jesus. Because we can talk to people all around this community about God, and they will have no clue who we're talking about. They'll have their own God. It's the mountain, right? Or it's the crystals, or it's the whatever it might be. It might, it, whatever God they've set up for themselves. Or themselves. But when we talk about Jesus, we are talking about the name that is above every name. The only name given by which men must be saved is Jesus Christ. Our God talk must be riddled with Jesus so they were talking about Jesus. They were preaching about Jesus. They were healing and doing miracles in Jesus' name. And they said, stop talking about Jesus. And they threatened them. And what do you think they threatened them with? Well, what their Savior die from? Torture. Gruesome death as a spectacle. Of course, they threatened them by death. It would not be a pleasant death. It would be a Roman death. They threatened them. Don't speak anymore in his name. And verse 21, it says, after threatening them further, they released them. Why? Because well, they, they knew that people, well, let's go on. It says, uh, and they found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. So they know that if they do something against these two guys, they're going to riot on their hands. They're going to have a riot because everyone saw what happened. Everyone knows everyone's giving glory to God. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the sign of healing had been performed. That's a different sermon for a different time. Verse 23. After they are released. Okay, so here's the after. Persecution is right up against them. Suffering is in view. 
possible death and, or execution is coming up quickly. The believers know they've been arrested. The, the believers are waiting to hear back from their leaders. What happened? How'd it go? What do we do now? And it's a, it's a scary time. A lot like what we might be facing today or maybe in 10 years from now, even scarier in our own country. Persecution for our faith. After they were released, they went to their own fellowship and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They give a thorough, thorough account. When they heard this, they, that is the fellowship, the believers, filled with faith, says they raised their voices to God unanimously and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the, through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Verse 29, here's what they say. This is a prayer. And now, Lord, consider their threats and let's change the plan. That's not what the believer said, right? Let's, let's do something different here now. This is getting a little scary. Let's just make our own little island, our own little commune, right? And that's No, we're not going the way of drinking Kool-Aid together. Look what it says. It says, consider their threats and grant that your slaves or your servants may speak your message with complete boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus when they had prayed the place they were uh, where they were assembled had sh- uh, was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak God's message with boldness you see for you and I we can look back on these witnesses and say yeah they had something str- some strength that we didn't have they were they were amazing people that God they're in the, they're in the Bible for crying out loud right they made the book we're not going to make the book right they made the book but as as Christ followers assembled and understood and knew and could celebrate in the power of the resurrection they said we're not backing down we will continue to love we will continue to serve. We will continue to proclaim Jesus, the name that is above every name, so that people might know Jesus. And our lives, our boldness, our courage, our strength, as we lay ourselves down, will be this ultimate snapshot that shows them not us, but shows them a Christ who laid himself down on their behalf. You and I as believers need to understand that our faith enables us to live with boldness and to be willing to, and actually do it, lay our lives down. Lay ourselves aside. He laid his life down for us. Amen. That's what God did for us. He laid his life down for us. Now we are called to let his love run red through us by laying ourselves down for others. And that is the goal 
That's the goal of being witnesses for Jesus Christ is overflowing with faith in a way that says nothing else is so sweet as knowing Jesus Christ. And I'll say it in my attitude, in my actions. I'll say it in the way I obey, in the way I do my finances, or a way I'm married or not married or the way I'm single. However I can, I want to exalt Christ and let his love run red through me to the world around me. Amen? Okay, would you stand with me and pray? Father, we, we are thankful for your love. We're thankful that you were crushed on our behalf. You were crushed in the place that we were to be crushed. And that the outpouring of love gave us life. And God, as you rose from the dead, you gave us power to live in a different way, to be li- living in a way that is filled by your spirit and is overflowing with faith to the world around us. God, help us to overflow. Help us to have that faith, whether through life or death, through pain or blessing, God, through misery or provision, that, God, we, we would know and lift up Jesus, boldly proclaiming him because, God, you are giving us as a gift to the world. Help us embrace that as followers of Christ. The mission is not over. We want to exalt you, Jesus. And we pray in your precious name. Amen.